Praise God. If you're excited, you ought to turn to somebody right now and say, you know what, I'm. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect. By reason of the glory that excelleth. Catch this. For if that which was, or for if that which is done away was glorious, much more that remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. I want to stop right there and say this much. There's a lot of people I've heard them say, I wish to God I could have lived in the days of Christ. And there are times that I wish, I have wished that same thing because truly those days were glorious. But the scripture says, for if that which is done away was glorious, ooh, much more that remaineth, much more that remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, what hope? the hope that what remains is much more glorious we use great plainness of speech and not as Moses which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished but their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, or when his writings are read, the veil is still upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, whoo, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, that's you and I, with open face, beholding as in a glass or in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Mm. I, 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 mean, I want to tell you something. When we begin to turn unto the Lord, then the veil, what veil? That which covers the mysteries that are sometimes locked into the Word of God is uncovered. And we can behold Him face to face. And as, as we, we do that, and as we turn to the Spirit, and the veil is taken away, then the Spirit of the Lord, now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty to do what? Liberty to look open-faced or unveiled into the mirror of the Word, and seeing God's image, we are changed from our likeness, into his likeness from glory to glory Whew. I'm telling you tonight I want to do more than just come to church 
I want to do more than just preach the word. I want to do more than just sing a song. In my heart tonight, I'm saying, God, I want to get another glimpse of you. Take every veil off of my face. Let me look into the word. Let me get a reflected image of God and then change this vile and corrupt person into your image from glory to glory. From service to service. I'm telling you, every service, we ought to be more like Him. More like Him. More like Him. If there is anything, any way of a compliment that could be paid to us as children of God, it would be a compliment for someone to say, I see Him in you. I see Jesus in you. I see the Lord in you. Oh God, I don't want to reflect myself. I don't want to project myself. I want to reflect the glory of God and me be changed from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Lord, I love you. God, your scripture tonight is so powerful. The Word of God is so rich. I want to preach to you tonight from a subject I want to simply entitle Holy Yielded to Pentecost. Holy, not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy, without reservation, completely or totally yielded to Pentecost. Praise God. I want to say this. If you are thin-skinned, you're going to get gored tonight. <laughs> and if I'm thin-skinned, I'm going to get injured tonight. If you came to get patted on the back and told how good you are, you might as well go home right now. Because I want to preach, and I want to preach unfettered in this pulpit. And I feel led of God to preach what I'm going to preach tonight. Amen. In the 20th chapter of the book of Acts, I find a story that is simultaneously most hilarious and most tragic. For in the 20th chapter of the book of Acts, I find a rendering uh, when Luke penned a, a little happening that happened that at times when I have read it, I have laughed. Even this very day, I chuckled, I was humored, I smiled, I saw it happen. Uh, I shook my head. When I read about a man by the name of Eutychus, who was a young man, that no doubt was a very fine young man. The very fact that he was there to be in church, the very fact that he was there listening to Paul, which no doubt was his pastor preach, uh, gives me inclination that this man, this young man, did have some very admirable and honorable traits and characteristics in his life. Number one, at least he was in church. And at least, least he did get there before the preaching uh, uh, began. But the Bible also goes on a little bit further and records even more how humorous this situation was when it talks about the Apostle Paul. How that after he had arrived there on the Sabbath day, time enough to break bread, I really don't know exactly what hour 
that that was, but there is a very strong implication that this could have been early in the morning because the Bible definitely states the fact that it was at the time of breaking bread, which is where we get the word breakfast in our uh, English vocabulary, which simply means we break the fast or we break the period of not eating, and usually that happens when we sleep. Some of us. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Paul started preaching whenever it was that they broke bread. In the Bible says it delicately that he preached uh, a good long time. In fact, the Bible teaches emphatically here and records in this 20th chapter that Paul preached a long time. In fact, he preached until midnight. He was a long time preaching. That's how the Bible records it. A long time preaching. Amen. So I've been accused every now and then of being long-winded and preaching a long time. But I'm telling you, I, I can't even stand on the same platform with Paul. And as I, I look into the Scripture... The humorous part of this that is equally tragic was in the middle of church, in the middle of preaching, Eutychus, in a deep sleep, fell out of the window. They thought he broke his neck and gave him up for dead. Now, I, I've seen a lot of hilarious things happen in church. I, I remember one time watching a guy run the aisles and he busted through the back doors of the church, tripped and flew head first into a drinking fountain. Broke his nose, cut his eyebrow, had to get stitches, had to go to the hospital. Filling out the accident report at the hospital, they said what happened and he busted up laughing and had a hard time trying to convince them that he did all of this in church. Could you imagine being a Methodist physician? And some guy in here all beat up, looks like he was in a war. Saying, well, sir, what, can you give me an explanation of what happened? Well, I did this on the drinking fountain. Can you explain that to me? It's tragedy that in the midst of revival in the middle of the the church in the book of Acts in the middle of the word of God someone could fall asleep so deep that they would fall out the window and be given up for dead the tragedy in that is that the young man was really more out of the church than he was in the church. The fact of the matter is, his body was more outside than it was inside. The fact of the matter is, if he'd have been more on the inside when he fell asleep, he'd have fell in the church. Not out of the church. But truth 
must be reckoned with tonight. And truth tells us in the midst of revival, there are some that are going to get so comfortable in the presence of God that they're going to fall asleep to the injury, not just of their body, but to the injury of their spirit. I'm going to preach to you tonight, Pentecost, some of us are far too comfortable in church. Some of us are far too comfortable in the apostolic presence of the Holy Ghost where we have made ourselves comfortable in the presence of God until we have isolated and insulated ourselves to a place that even the glory of God no longer really has an effect in us and we remain unmoved and emotionally responsive to the power of God that begins to sweep across the hearts of God's people and as manifested in his church and somebody said hallelujah, hallelujah. thank you Kaiki. last night people were running the aisles Kaiki walked up here I said you feel like preaching he said yeah I gave him the microphone he said no at least he wasn't asleep Y'all have been getting with it tonight. I want you to get with the preaching. If I'm in the book, then you, get, you stay with me. If I get out of it, you, you're dismissed. Fair enough? We have got to understand the time that we are living in. The era of life that we are a part of. We have got to recognize that in 1993, I believe this is 29 of January, 1993, that it is going to require more to be right with God today than I believe it required a year ago. I want to preach to you tonight, and you know me enough now to recognize I am not a negative preacher. I am not a doomsday preacher. I do not like to preach people down and, and preach people under. I like to lift God up and lift people up. I really do. But I, I've got a sneaky suspicion and a very, very sensitive understanding and a very real feeling that God is going to require excellence of us out of some of us who have not yet understood that really to be used of God like God is intending to use, of, use us we are going to have to give him our best instead of what we're used to giving him and that is what's just left over I want to tell you tonight that there is no more any room for us to get so comfortable in the presence of God until our flesh can dictate to our spirit how our response is going to be to the spirit and to the word of God. Let's get honest tonight in the ranks of Pentecost. There's many that's snoozing in the pews. There's many that's snoring in the midst of apostolic 
demonstration. There's many that's been rocked to sleep by the winds of adversity or the winds of compromise or the winds of apathy and complacency that's rocked them to sleep in the house of God. But oh, tonight I want to preach. We better learn to yield ourselves totally, holy, and without reservation to Pentecost and to the reason where God has come. I ask a question tonight for you to ponder. Have we, in the midst of all of our goodness and our blessings, in the midst of the move and the power of God, in the midst of His Spirit, in the midst of rejoicing, in the midst of us enjoying the blessings of God. You know, I thank God that we're not in a brush harbor tonight. Because it'd be mighty cold. Brother Carriker, I'm thinking right now, I'm glad we're on in a brush harbor. I'm glad you got a microphone that you can spray. I'm, gl I'm glad you got a monitor up here to help save your voice. I'm glad we got, I'm glad we got electric lights. and fa I, I thank God for this. I thank God for padded pews and, and carpet. I, I'm, real, I'm serious. I thank God we all drove the church tonight in an automobile. Nobody had to hitch up teams of horses or mules or, or, or donkeys or ox or whatever. I'm, I thank God for our blessings. But I wonder in the midst of that, is it possible that we have forgotten God's idea of Pentecost? In the midst of all of the goodnesses of God, in the midst of all that God has given us, is it possible, I believe it is, that the real intent of God, the real idea of Pentecost, the real purpose of Pentecost, perhaps has slipped through our fingers, and tonight we sit on pews, not really depending on God, like God's really intended us to depend on Him. begin to study the Word of God, you will find a couple of points in, in Pentecost. You will find a couple glaring instances and glaring characteristics and glaring identification points that God really intended Pentecost to be known by. And this is what I want to preach to you tonight. Number one, I believe one of God's ideas of Pentecost is to strip our humanity and our flesh from its dependence on itself. Now if I was preaching to win friends and influence people and make everybody happy, I'd not preach what I'm fixing to preach but I am preaching to please Him. And I'm preaching to save people because you're going to be saved through the foolishness of preaching. And this guy right here is going to be saved through the foolishness of preaching. So I'm going to preach this tonight. So please, please don't check out on me because we ain't running and biting the walls tonight doing the Watusi on these, on these fans, okay? We've had a bunch of that this week. We'll have some more of it, okay? Uh, right now, I want, I want the word of God. I want somebody, some people to get this message. 
God's idea is to strip our humanity and our flesh. You need to think tonight to get this. You need to think. Don't sit there like a, like a sweet tater. Think. Okay? To strip our humanity and our flesh from its dependence on itself. That means, what's our humanity? Our thinking? Well, I think this, that ain't why we're here. We're not saved by thinking. We're saved by His grace. To strip our humanity and flesh from its dependence upon itself. Let me give you some scripture. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we're going to have fun with this in a little bit. But oh, I, I, ju I just want somebody to get this. Jesus, at the Sermon on the Mount, said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I was raised... Please don't judge me till I'm through tonight. But, Brother Peter, I was raised with the thinking that poor although it wasn't something to be ashamed of it wasn't something to be desired brother Bill you know what I'm talking about I was raised thinking you know I, I couldn't see any blessing in walking because I couldn't afford a car Jesus said blessed are the poor he never said, blessed are the rich in spirit. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I was raised thinking, blessed is the man that drives a jag. Uh, you, know, you don't have to be honest right now. I'll be honest for you, okay? I was raised thinking, blessed is the man that drives the Mercedes. I never, never was taught... Blessed is the individual that, that lives in government housing. I thought, thank God for that, but my God, that ain't, that ain't the zenith of my life. I want to do something with me. Don't get defensive tonight if, you're, if you live in government housing. Don't get mad at this preacher. I never, I never, I never learned, never accepted I was taught different. It was not blessed is the man with holes in his shoes. It's blessed is the dude that's got three or four pair. If it's a woman, four, five, fifty pair. Something about female. It's female hyphen shoes. I don't understand it. They only got two feet, but they got to have 80 pairs. Don't understand it. Then they got to have purses to match them. Then they get purses and shoes that match and say, oh, I don't have nothing to wear with them. I say, well, what does that mean? Another dress? And she says, well, you're going to let me waste this money? Just going to sit here and not get warm? 
I was raised, you know what I'm talking about, Brother Mortimer, with the thought, blessed is the man that doesn't have to shop at the dented food, a dented can food warehouse, but blessed is the man that can go down to Dillon's and just grab anything and throw it in a buggy and not worry about it. I never saw blessing in having hand out cheese. I, I thought blessed is a man that can go by aged sirloin if that's what he wants. And then four or five pounds of lobster on the side just to touch the palate. Are you thinking with me for a few minutes here tonight? But Jesus said, blessed is the poor in spirit. I know what it is to have holes in my shoes. I'm going to back up. I know what it is to buy all my clothes at the Goodwill. I ain't proud. <laughs> I'm telling you. It, you, ask, you ask these elder, elder young ladies. We've been shopping. We've been junking and Goodwilling since I've been here. They, my wife and we love to do that. Oh, yeah. You get goodbyes there. You make a dollar go a long way. Especially if you grind on that woman and say, hey, come on now, I ain't going to pay all this price for it. I ain't. But Jesus said, blessed is the poor in spirit. That scripture bugged me for the longest time. I said, God, I don't want to be poor. Anybody else here think that way with me? You, you know what I'm saying, Sister Kim? You know what I'm talking about. You know what blessing is there in having more bills than you got money? What, what blessing is it to have my brother back there calling me from MCM or whatever ever over there saying, Hey, I'm calling you and discussing your account, which is 90 days in arrears. When can we be expecting payment from you, sir? What, kind, what blessing is that? But Jesus said, Blessed is the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom. Now, I'm making a point here tonight that God's idea of Pentecost is number one to strip our humanity and our flesh from its dependence upon itself. And I got to studying poor. What does poor mean? You know, let me tell you what I discovered, what I uncovered. What I found. To be poor means to be dependent. To be poor means one of the dictionary uh, explanations or, or renderings was to be dependent upon someone or something. It it doesn't mean to be poor means to be trashy or dirty or scuzzy or scummy. I don't care how poor you are, you can be clean. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And when you begin to look in the kingdom of heaven, there ain't nothing there chintzy, cheap, tinselly. There ain't nothing there from 
Kmart, Walmart. And there ain't nothing wrong with them stores, but I'm just trying to, you know, or Piggly Wiggly or these little dime, ten cent stores. The kingdom of God is rich. It's righteous. The kingdom of God, what you walk on is gold. What Jesus was saying when he said blessed are the poor in spirit, he was not saying blessed are those that don't have anything. He was not saying blessed are they with holes in their spiritual shoes and with rips in their spiritual garments. What he was saying is blessed are they which are totally dependent. Blessed are they that have come to recognize I am not going to depend on my flesh. I am not going to depend on my humanity. But I am poor in spirit. Or in other words, I am dependent upon the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God. What Jesus was saying is blessed is the individual that wakes up to the realization that God, if I'm going to be blessed today, it's because you're going to bless me. And if I eat today, it's going to be because you feed me. Blessed is the individual that has stripped his humanity and his flesh from its dependence on itself and says, all right, God, I ain't trusting my rotten flesh for nothing, but I'm going to stand in the receiving line of the Holy Ghost and say, bring on your kingdom. Why is it in countries and third world nations where they don't have Medicare, Medi-Cal, and what else? Blue Cross, Blue Shield, AAA, IBM, BMI. What are, what are the other monitors? How come it is you hear from those nations Report of miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Does God love them any more than He loves you and I? Nope. The problem is we love ourselves a whole much more than them people love themselves. I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've been there. I've been to those countries. I've seen the dead raised. I really did in the country of Fiji. Saw a young boy raised from the dead. Blew my mind. Freaked me out. I just got to confess. I was trying to worship God and I just stood there with my mouth open. Well, this is a different kind of preaching tonight, isn't it? I'm wanting you to think. Why is it that in these countries they're healed? Why is it they can walk 15 miles? have grown and eyes have seen and ears hear 
Let me tell you why it is. It's because they walk up to that crude little altar and say, God, you heal me or you know I'm going to die. You heal my eye or God, there ain't nothing I can do about it. You heal my ear or there ain't nothing I can do about it. They don't know what a hearing aid is. They don't know what radial keratotomy is. They just know, God, there ain't nothing else I can depend on. So I'm going to depend on you. And God says, good, here's my kingdom. Here's my kingdom. We snooze on the pew and miss our opportunities of the Spirit. I have got to preach my conviction tonight. I have got to preach the cry of this young preacher's heart. There is a hunger. There is a desperation. There is a wail in my spirit that says, God, if what I've got is keeping me from you, you take everything I have. You strip me, God. You leave me bare. But I want Pentecost. I want everything. I want to walk in the Holy Ghost. I said, I want to get back to Pentecost. I want to get back to the time where they had all things in common. I want to get back to the place where the shadows of God's people is going to heal the people in the city. I want to get back to the place that when the church falls on its knees, that hell shakes and the devil trembles. I want to get back to the place that we're not just Pentecost in name, but we're Pentecost in deed and in action and in power. I don't just want to wear a label. I want to look into the word of God and say God take the veil of things from my eyes and give me a revelation give me an understanding of you I got to confess tonight I don't feel like jumping very high I feel like finding a hole somewhere and saying oh God take me back to old time Pentecost take me back God restore Pentecost to me the day of Pentecost was fully come the Bible says it was not an accident it was not a premature happening. It was fully come. Every mind there was in one mind and one accord. Can I tell you tonight? I'm tired of sleeping through the song service. Singing, he brought me out. Singing it with my mouth and my heart still asleep. I'm tired of singing about the blood. I'm tired of singing about the name when I'm only singing it from my jaw up and it's never got down into my spirit. I'm tired of singing about the rock of ages and my eyes remain dry. I'm tired of going to services and there's no tears. I'm tired of going to church and not seeing sinners fall in the altar and drag their way to God and repent. I'm tired. I miss the times 
means that the Spirit of God would fall in the house and everything there would shake and quake as the glory of God. Talk to us. I'm saying, God, don't let me get so full of myself. Don't let me be self-absorbed. I don't trust my humanity. I put no confidence in the flesh. I want to be poor in spirit. I want to be dependent on you, God. And if I am, you're going to let the kingdom be mine. Let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hear us, God. Come on, let's love the Lord. Let's love him. Hallelujah. Who are you preaching to tonight, Brother Buxton? I'm preaching to me first. Then everybody else. If I point a finger at you, i got a thumb and three other fingers pointing back at me. I want you to understand this tonight. Ain't nobody needs what I'm preaching any more than me. Ain't nobody wants it any more than me. I beg God. I laid on my face today. Oh God, bring us back to old time power. Take us back, God, to the dimensions of Pentecost where Pentecost truly is powerful and shakes cities. I read about the old Welch revival in the days of the Reformation. I read about preachers, preachers of conviction. They didn't even have the full revelation of truth. But what they had, they preached it with everything that was in their heart. And I read about a certain revival. You can study it in history about the Welch revival. In, 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 the, in Welch, this place where revival broke out, there was 